Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The sound of endurance racing around the world. RadioLeMans.com. Hello everybody and welcome to the WEC Prologue here on RadioLeMond.com for our second programme uh, looking at this pre effectively a pre-season test that gets most of the teams together. I've come straight down to Straka this morning to, uh, to speak to the man who knows everything about, uh, about this team and has been driving it on. Dan Wormsley is with me now. First of all, congratulations, you're here. I think... Probably most of the emails and Twitter messages we've had over the last six months is what's happening with Stracker. You've been good enough to come on Midweek Motorsport and explain the situation. We have a car. It's here. It's, it's been fired up. You've done work with it. It's fantastic. Yeah, we're, we're delighted to be here, to be honest. It's been a very long journey getting here. And the guys have put blood, sweat and tears into making the car happen. Uh, I think it's no secret that when the first um, iteration of the car hit the ground, there were some issues with it. and We've not shied away from that. Um, and our belief in a, a, a cost cap category that is homologated for three years was that you bring a car that's not worthy of racing, you're never going to have fun, you're never going to really demonstrate your capability. So we took that on the chin and uh, gone through an intensive program of uh, redevelopment and now the car is, is what it is and we believe it's good enough to race competitively. There's obviously some other chassis come out this year that are going to make it very challenging. Uh, most notably the Orica um, is, is fresh out at the moment. We've got new HPDs that have equally look like they've had some issues um, I'm hoping they'll get those sorted out soon um, but the Ligiers and current cars it's a fantastic feel I don't think LMP2's ever been any stronger yeah so why change it but let's not get onto that right now That's that's a, I think that's a story and a discussion for another time might touch on that in a little while but serious question here you've talked there about the variety of competition that you've got we were expecting to see this car prior to now are you confident that you've benchmarked the performance of the car to be competitive against this new crop of cars and not just the cars you would have been against a year or 18 months ago. I have to admit John it's impossible to truly know what's going on. What we've done is we've taken a car that we felt had an inherently good architecture to it it needed some modifications and we've done everything we can with the budget we have available uh, to make this car as strong as it can be now that may not prove to be enough but we've we've got a feeling that the car's very um, endurance based um, we're not convinced that necessarily over one lap we're going to showcase ourselves the best but what we've tried to build is a car that's easy for a professional to drive easy for an amateur to drive consistent on its tyres easy at the limit and we and that's our, always been our philosophy for uh, endurance racing more specifically than anything the 24 at Le Mans which is what we're really gunning for because we know that it can get very slick at night when the dew sets we know that um it can rain in the drop, drop of a hat and uh, one half of the circuit be wet, the other half be dry. So we've really tried to adapt the car to something that's um, just forgiving for everyone who drives it. Clearly, as you've said, a challenge just to get the car here and a challenge that you guys have accepted and run with. And again, you know, we have to thank you for your honesty on Midweek Motorsport and coming on and explaining the situation. In some ways, does that make it even sweeter to get here to uh, recard and see and be able to show and, you know, 
Saturday there's going to be probably 10,000 people here today so I'm told to be able to see the car for the, the first time is that then even more of a proud moment if that's possible Absolutely, I think some people forget that you know, um, the addiction that is racing <laughs> is is um, probably somewhat satisfied by the, the adrenaline of winning and having a result. And we've we've been lacking that for the last eighteen months. And people have there's been no lack of effort, but the actual end result hasn't been there for us. And although we've had successful tests and felt that we've made good steps forwards, doing it against other people, doing it in front of a passionate crowd, whether it be here at Paul Ricard or in two weeks at Silverstone, where we're going to welcome all of our friends and family and uh, technical partners from the UK we're really really excited and I don't know if you can hear in the background we've got tunes playing the boys have got a spring in their step they're smiling that's what Stracker's about Is it important to you that the car still looks good because it does it looks great it's lost none of its character it's lost nothing from what I can see of the design features that we saw right in the very early days Absolutely to be honest uh, It's distinctive is what I want to say you know it's easy with P2 they might all look the same they don't all look the same. You can tell the Leisure from the Orica from, from your car here. Yeah, can you tell the Orica from the Rebellion? Because I can't. Um, <laughs> the, our car's quite unique in the sense that it was... Um, it started off with a simple concept. I have to give credit to where it's due. Uh, Hiroshi Yuchi in Japan conceived the car, came up with a concept, and it's almost like a house of cards on that, on that initial... On that initial... Um, and that initial concept, that defined the shape of the, the monocoque, of the nose, of the tail of the car. And so that's why today, although you'll see some changes that have been introduced due to the problems we had, generally the car still looks as it did on the first concept drawings. Um, and it's that concept that we've believed in all the way through and, and, and stuck firm with. Um, what's happening with Dawn? How is the relationship? Is there still a relationship? It's a big wide open question. You tell me what you want to uh, no, relationship with Dome is, is fantastic. Um, contractually, we had uh, an agreement in place with them until the beginning of 2015. Obviously, we've arrived at that point. Um, Dome have got some changes going on within their organisation, notably some sale of, uh, the sale of some assets to Toyota Racing Development, the wind tunnel and so on. Um, and we've reached an agreement with them that we will now continue as the manufacturer of the car. Um, it's more than anything... Um, to make sure that we're correctly represented for the homologation evolutions as time goes by, any safety regulation changes, etc. Uh, and it was felt that with the transition they're going through, they probably couldn't help us as well as they had done before. So the relationship's very strong, is as strong as it's ever been, um, and we've still got dome uh, personnel coming to a lot of our tests, but as the entity that will be uh, representing this, this manufacturer, uh, it is now done by uh, a UK company. Right. So. And, and then that follows on to the next question, and it does slightly impinge on what we said we weren't going to talk about, but there's no getting around it. Clearly this year, focus on getting the Stracker team car out there, getting a competitive scoring points, winning races, going well at Le Mans, as you've said. The prospect for customer cars is the other big question that people always ask me. It was always thought that this would be a customer chassis eventually. Is that still going to be a possibility? Or with the uncertainty over the 2017 regs, has that been, has that been effectively put on the back, back burner? Um, there's quite a lot of issues around that single question there, really. So to start with the regulations thing, obviously the ACO and FIA are responding to the needs of the market around them. 
that being um, the manufacturers and the teams. And so there's discussions ongoing about the regulations for 2017, and I think it's expected that there won't be an unlimited number of manufacturers in 2017. So that in itself does bring implications to us. Um, I can understand the reasons these discussions are ongoing, um, and I won't be commenting at this time as to what our views are. <laughs> However, what I can say is um, it is going to be very challenging for us as a fledgling uh, manufacturer to, de- to demonstrate. That sounded good. Yes, I wish that was our car. That was the Aston Martin. Um, <laughs> but... Um, it's going to be very difficult for us as a f- uh, fledgling operation manufacturer to demonstrate capability against established single-seater manufacturers such as Delara, who are uh, tendering for it, and the, the you know the uh, the old guard of Orica and Onroke, who are, are keen on the direction we're going with this. Um, so we're, we're still keen, we're still interested, and we want to be providing customer cars. The reality is, if we don't have the opportunity to sell cars in 2017, it commercially makes it very hard for us to sell cars in 2016 and 2015. So really we're in a holding pattern waiting for um, the big discussions that are going on at the moment to to reach a conclusion. Obviously we'll support the view that's taken with that Uh, and then we'll form our own plans around that. Uh, Needless to say, Stracker Racing, we've always gone about things the the way that we like to do it, a slightly different way and we're going to continue to do that. What I hear from that, though, is whatever happens in the future, that's not going to affect the way Stracker Racing attacks the 2015 World Endurance Championship. That is going on at the pace, the way that you guys always do things, which is 100% of your ability. Yes, um, we always give 100% to everything we do, uh, and it's all about winning the championship, so it's in doing that in the best managed fashion possible. So uh, that's what we'll be doing to 100%. We wish you all the best in that. Congratulations for even getting this far. We know it's been a longer road than it's meant to be. Um, Hopefully you also know that there's a lot of fans out there who've been supporting you. And we thank you again for your time and your honesty. Dan, thanks for joining us. No problem, John. Thanks for uh, all your support along the way and to everyone else who's uh, been sending us well wishes. We can't can't wait to be out at Silverstone and uh, going for it for real. Well, while we're down here at Stratton, I've just spotted Nick Leventis. Thank you, Graham, who was trying to disappear out of the... uh, the back. Which way did he go, Graham? That way? Excellent. Johnny Kitten's just... All right, OK, let's have a quick look to see if we can uh, grab Nick Leventus, who's out in the wind, if he's out here. Oh, he's here. Come on, Nick, come inside. Far too windy out there. Nick Leventus, welcome to uh, Radio Le Mans and our WEC uh, preview. Congratulations Thank on you. just getting the car here. You must feel it's, a, it's an achievement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, it's been a very... Uh, well, challenging year and a half off, but uh, it just feels really good to be here talking to you guys. Being back in the paddock is just, for everyone involved, is just fantastic. Have you been keeping yourself fit? How have you been keeping yourself motivated for the last year and a half as a driver as well as with your involvement in the team? Well, to be honest, track is growing quite a lot in other, in other organisations. Obviously, with the World Series, the two litres, and the, and the go karts, and we won the World Championships in the go karts last year so there's plenty to keep us involved growing and growing and obviously uh, the sports car project bubbling away in the background so the whole organisation has really grown and coming together and uh, you know we just, we're just so happy to be back out here racing Are you ready to go for 2015? Are you, Nick Leventis ready to go for this year? I've never been more hungry John You can see it! You look Now listen in fairness there's barely ever been any more fat on you than there is on a, on a butcher's apron but you are looking trim you're looking ready to go 
you've clearly been training, so Silverstone, I suppose, now, and real competition can't come quick enough for you. Yeah, absolutely. And also for us, it's great to have so much competition. Obviously, for the last year in uh, MP1, we were sort of dragging around on our own, just a bit behind Rebellion. So, real chance to go racing in a really strong, competitive P2 field. We just can't wait. Silverstone is literally on the doorstep of the team. You could pretty much roll the cars down the... The, uh, the A43 and into the, into the gates of the, the circuit. So that's got to be very special to debut the car in competition, at least, at your, literally at your home track. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great for the guys. We've got a lot of families that will come to the race and support us. And absolutely, it's on our doorstep, our first race, hoping for a good uh, win or points you know, to kick off the season. Now, for those who've forgotten, because an 18 months in motor racing can be sometimes a, quite a long time, um, remind, remind us of your two drivers, Johnny Kane. I've, I've seen sitting in there. Johnny Kane and Danny Watts. Yep, same driver lineup. Obviously, we've had a lot of highs and, and a few lows over the years, but we all know each other really well. We're good mates on and off the track, so you know, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be driving with anyone else to be honest. Now, seriously, all joking aside, now this is still a new project. Uh, this is still a project that, in terms of its competition life, that as we stand here now at Ricard has no competition miles under its wheels. What goals do you set yourself at Silverstone and then for the rest of the season? Well, we obviously entered the championship to try and win it in P2. Um, whether that's realistic or not remains to be seen. I think it's a very, very strong competitive P2 field, the most competitive field we've been in. Mm. Um, and we think we've got a good car, a reliable car, so it's up to the drivers to kind of deliver it. We've often said in the past that we accept the level of competition is high. We accept the level of driver skill is high, particularly among the full-time pros. So in that respect, the silver and bronze drivers actually probably play a bigger a bigger percentage part in results in World Endurance Championship P2 than they perhaps do in any other category. Absolutely. I think this year, the, as you say, the silver driver or the bronze driver will make the difference. Uh, I'm still a little bit confused how they do you know, use the classification because uh, the silver drivers, in my opinion, you would be silver drivers and bronze drivers. Should be not, but that, that's the nature of racing. We are, we've got to do what we've got to do and, uh, and play with what we've got. In, does that put more pressure on you, though, Nick, in terms of the fact that you know, we all expect, having seen down through the years and, the, and the, all of the spectators will expect Danny and Johnny Kane to do, Danny Watson and Johnny Kane to do what they do, We've seen your development as a driver over the years, but ultimately the difference between your car and the car you might be racing might well be just what you could do against what their non-pro driver can do. Absolutely, and, and for me that's very challenging and exciting, uh, but the best thing is I've got my team behind me and, uh, and I know they'll help me to deliver the results we need. What's more important for you this year, do you think, individually? Speed or being consistent? Being consistent, finishing races uh, and consistently on the podium and obviously we'd like to have a good run at Le Mans. We think we deserve it. <laughs> you read my mind. I was just going to ask you about Le Mans. Nick, unfinished business there for you and the team? Well, to be honest, we've been quite lucky over the years. We've had two very good runs there, uh, a couple of close calls. So, you know, we love the event. We're very privileged to have been, to have been on the top podium step twice. Uh, but we want more. You know, we're hungry and we, we'd love to do it in a car that we designed and built. And that's the key, isn't it? Because that's a very different set of circumstances now. We'll not labour the point about what happens in P2 from 17 onwards, but there's a point to prove from any manufacturer at the moment, anyone who's got a, a chassis out there, that, that 
you've got a chassis that can win and can win at the very highest level. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, and you carry a lot more passion towards it when you've been through been through the emotions we have over the year and a half. You know, you really develop a relationship with it. All the lads do so. Absolutely, you, you're hungry and you you're even more determined to show what it can do against the competition. Final word, something a little bit more on the edges of performance, but something that will. I'm sure it'll be a talking point. Punctuate my question as the cars go by. Uh, the livery this year, few changes, still very much with a, a union flag motif on that. Still very proud to carry that? Absolutely. Yeah. We're not a British team based at Silverstone. We're very, very proud to carry the union jack and, uh, and get our home fans you know, behind us at Le Mans as well. Wish you all the best for the season. Very well done in getting this far. I've got a feeling this is the start of a very interesting chapter in the Stracker story. Thanks very much, John. Good to be back. Thanks. RadioLamont.com. Well, I've stepped out of the noise into the relative quiet of uh, the hospitality area for Toyota, and Rob Loipen is with me now, looking forward to another season of motor racing. And I say that because all of these guys are enthusiasts, just as we are. There's a big smile on his face at the moment. Before we talk about 2015, Rob, we've got to look back just a little bit at 14. Um, a significant year in the programme, I would say. Yes, for us as at Toyota Motorsport, but especially also at Toyota with winning the World Championship, uh, both, both drivers and manufacturing title, for us it was, was a great year. Still with a, a big spot, of course, on that year again, we say leading in Le Mans, mm. uh, having the quickest car there, uh, we say starting already difficult with a crash and then early morning five o'clock losing car number seven in the leads so yeah something we have to do better this year but a world championship and we come to the FIA World Endurance Championship for many reasons but one of them is because it has that world championship title that goes along with it and that does mean something to the motor racing side of things and to Toyota as a motor group I think yes, both. Uh, we at uh, Toyota Motorsport, we do this for a living. Uh, a lot of us uh, made their hobby to their profession. So yes, we are on professional motorsport. This is where we are heading for. It's what our target is, is to win. But also for, of course, for the Toyota Motor Corporation, which found, and we have found together with Toyota Motor Corporation, a perfect race series where we can showcase Toyota's technology. Um, we run here hybrid powertrains and we say one of the key technical achievements of Toyota Motor Corporation is the hybrid powertrain. Not only in Toyota cars, you'll find them in Lexus cars. And mm. here we have a perfect yeah, theatre, more or less, to showcase the abilities of this. You and I have talked before, both at the, at the race circuit and back in Cologne, about linking motorsport and research and development to street cars, to road cars. It's not always exactly the same technology, but it's the forward thinking, it's the control systems, it's just being able to move things forward at a different pace that gives motorsport that edge that perhaps pushes it to the forefront of people's minds. Yes, don't forget simulation because uh, time is something where it's very precious in motor racing. The race is not waiting for you and you have to be the best prepared team or you try to be the best prepared team for the race to be able to win. It means that we say you have to be extremely cautious with the resources you have, people, time, money. And all these three issues are of importance to work on your processes, your disciplines. Where do you put your focus on? How do you do it? At TMG, we have been 
we say, able over the last 15 years to build a good facility based on our Formula One uh, history, but also based on the thinking that, we say, a lot of your technical problems you can simulate before they occur. It doesn't give you the right answer, but it gives <laughs> you a strong indication in which direction you should go. And of course, if you showcase this also to your fellow engineers in other Toyota companies and they start to discover that you have methods which you will not help them to build the perfect road car but you give them indications, you give them in the uh, advanced research, you give them indications where they can work with, this is of course helping them a lot and they start or they have started to discover this and also that um, in motorsport you're able to simulate things in a, we say, uh, sim- you simulate Activities, a powertrain, uh, we say a, a suspension in a very short period of time. And of course, here for the tools you use this and the people you use this can optimize other processes which do have uh, a big relevance for road car development. And this is what we're doing in Cologne. We say a major part of our activities today is not only to build race cars, it's also to be involved in R&D activities for Toyota Motor Corporation. And that is a step that actually is quite a bold one to make for a company, particularly even a big company like Toyota. It's almost a a more bold step for a big company than it would be for a smaller company with with lesser resources. And also it's a, a, I suppose, a validation, is it not, of what you guys are doing in the motorsport arena? I think it's it's a kind of for us we take it as a kind of acknowledgement that uh, we say the major player one of the major players in the automotive industry Toyota finds us that they can benchmark some of their activities towards yeah. us we can help them in that sense and then you give us we say even uh, an additional value uh, besides motor racing yes. uh, which makes everybody proud you have to find a correct balance because you would like to be motorsport you would like to be in that pressurized world but uh, the pressurized world or the world in, in an auto manufacturer or an automotive company is a different one as where we are in and yes. they have they talk about volumes they talk about cost efficiency process efficiency they want to build the best ever car or the ever and to make it ever better so that the customer gets the product and we can now maybe or we have the, the yeah not maybe we we support them uh, in a more direct way as in the past so what we're talking about here almost are we not is motorsport an end to itself you win it brings publicity it makes people happy but also it's now being seen as a resource from toyota the parent company to be able to tap into the knowledge and the processes that you guys have got yes and i think they evaluate the methods we have and we say they are extremely successful in japan and all over the world of toyota and maybe we can help them or they can because of us maybe even get a bit more successfuler as they already are today and it's great i like that as an idea of motorsport as a resource very good and that in fact that mindset from toyota has led would delight it you've been announcing this week an extension to the program it's not an extension for us. We say we, <laughs> <laughs> we committed ourselves, and uh, we say have discussed this, of course, thoroughly also in Japan. And said we have committed ourselves uh, until 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, we say uh, we are running into development programs. Uh, we are building up uh, cars and resources. We're already talking on 216 car uh, today uh, because the, the chassis has to be decided. We talk about the hi- improvement of the hybrid system, system in 16, and we're already in discussion of 2017. Uh, 
regulations and this for us these three years we think yes we will we say we have committed ourselves to this uh, we have submitted the idea to uh, to the WEC and of course we would like to discuss with them not a one-year contract as it's usual but we would like to discuss a three years contract with mm-hmm. them if it stops after three years no it's not set so we will then we say uh, review the situation because then the bigger or a potential bigger regulation change we yeah. would like to see if this fits to Toyota's uh, imagination of the new motorsport rules if they it's the same kind of platform we have today and if that is the case um, I cannot say that we will continue but I definitely cannot say we will stop okay despite, despite of WRC yes yes uh, and I'll come to that in a moment the question that I get asked the most to ask you mm-hmm. is about resources now Toyota is a huge company it spends a lot of money it makes a lot of money motorsport part of Toyota is perhaps not quite so big um, and you have not been given unlimited resources you have managed your resources and you're particularly your financial resources very cleverly I think over the last few years I think if people expected Toyota motorsport to come with a huge budget that wasn't the case you were more clever than you had money I think that worked out so when the big question is when and if can you commit to having three cars going to Le Mans well first of all not to 15 Mm-hmm. Um, to 16, we always discuss this with our parent company. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we go with three cars or not? It's mm-hmm. an option we put on the table. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, this is your budget allocated in the best possible way. So okay. the option can be that you said, okay, we go for three cars, but then you might not be able to do the development you think is necessary. <laughs> or they say, okay, we give you this time a bit more. But what we have learned over the last years after Formula One is that if you build your, want to build your own success and Toyota asks you to build your own success, then we say uh, we have our processes, we have the way we work, and we have, we say, reached a level of efficiency where we are internally not only happy with but quite proud on. Yes. Um, and we would also like to, we say, do it or try to do it the same as we have done on the W or we will have done on the WEC we would like to move this to WRC and I think we can do this two separate groups with some resources we share on production side on some engineering side Mm. Um, so we want to be efficient we want to use our resources in the best possible way and I think if we learn something from Toyota Motor Corporation from the guys in road car production that is these kind of efficiency processes and they helped us a lot and uh, yeah we can now talk about the Toyota way we can talk about Kaizen Mm -hmm. but also we can talk about common sense Mm -hmm. and this is we say what some guys sometimes we motorsport guys needs to get a bit more Um, you need to perhaps explain Kaizen constant improvement constant improvement yeah. check your pl- plan do check action yeah, so say look at yourself all the time again don't be satisfied with what you have done but improve but also be able to look ahead at what's coming and we say anticipate this yeah. and we'll say uh, here we have a, have a good story but I think uh, if we look at the 2014 success story how uh, a motorsport company within a huge multinational can work we'll say and give and add benefit to mm. their organization this is how we experience it i think uh, we had a good success we go in 15 at least for defending the world champion title yes. and definitely for the Le Mans win yeah that's the target uh, it should, it's not, not an obsession yet so it should not become <laughs> an obsession but it's definitely something uh, what we go for and uh, yeah we say here at, uh, at Paul Ricard we see a very strong competition for this year mm-hmm. and that makes life very interesting challenging and uh, the next couple of months will be very good and I also think that for this year for the public outside it will be a very strong race season Let's talk about WRC just briefly uh, very close to my heart always has been rallying um, fantastic history 
that Toyota have, mm-hmm. and particularly Cologne has in the WRC. Sports car fans will say, oh, no, disaster this for us because they're going to divert resources, they're going to take, as us English would say, going to take their eye off the ball, it's all going to... WRC fans will go, oh, this is great, but we don't want them doing that sports car programme because that's going to affect the WRC programme. What's the truth of this, Rob? How do these two programmes sit together? If we look today at TMG, we say we not only have WEC, we run in total roughly 60 projects a year. So, yes, the WEC project is one of the main projects. Then we have a lot of customer motorsport activities. We have, we say, uh, cross with motorsport with the GT86. We do that at VLN. Uh, we are building up an R3 car, which we would like to sell commercially. Then we are working with third parties. They are using our facilities. And we have Toyota Motor Corporation, which we say orders us to do R&D activities for mm-hmm. them to support them. So... It means that if you work in this kind of organization, you can do another big project. And I think that if we see TMG's facilities, if we see the resources we have, and the way we are working today, we can accommodate definitely WEC and WRC. Mm-hmm. WEC is definitely the pinnacle of, of technology, what we are doing if you compare to those two. And WRC is then the big challenge on the logistics side because you, <laughs> you bring your whole structures there. Of course, you need to build a good car. You need to have good yes. drivers. You have a good organization around this. Uh, but they will run separately from each other, and we have a lot of resources we can share. Mm-hmm. So WRC is not directly a draggy car for wind tunnel improvements where we're going to look at because on gravel or on tarmac, you will not get the speed you get mm-hmm. here, and you don't can, we say, simulate so much in that direction. But we have great rigs where we can, we say, test the car, the suspension on. We have an engine, enough engine dynos uh, to do it. We have pr- production facilities. So use them in the best possible way. The same on the WEC side. The powertrain comes from Japan, so it's mm-hmm. not a double burden on this. Yeah, mm-hmm. We have an extremely good relationship with our colleagues at MSUD, Motorsports Unit Division. And we have a composite workshop and we have a fabrication workshop. So where's the problem? We share more or less our resources and we have very focused engineers working for one or the other project and we have qualified designers who are able to work on projects to work for both activities and we optimize it and we can even learn from each other so one does not for want of a better word and this is a harsh word but you'll understand why i use it one does not steal resources from the other to make one better does not make one worse that connection just simply doesn't exist i think it would be rather the opposite so you can get ideas which you bring in from the WRC side on the WEC or that. Of course, they have to fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if you can optimize your, your budgets, uh, mm-hmm. if you, do, you go to a supplier and say, hey, gentlemen, we have two gearboxes. It's mm-hmm. one this and it's one that. So why <laughs> should we not negotiate? Um, so it gives a lot of potential. We have, we say, updated our uh, machine shop. So it means with an update, no, we didn't buy new more machines we reduced but we get more modern machines so we reduce the capacity on the total number of machines but we will increase the hours of running so it gives us a lot of opportunities to get higher efficiency and even not to reduce the budgets but to use them better and that i think is a perfect answer to the question from both wrc fans and the wec fans who are listening uh, right now and good to know that uh, toyota can have full focus on two different, very different uh, areas of, of world motorsport. We're here at Ricard. Um, we should talk about the new car. Um, how new is the new car? How new is the thinking? How new is the machinery? 
The car is pretty new. It's not completely new. We say we carried over the monocoque, um, which we already were quite happy with last year. We say especially John Lidges and his crew have a great job done on that side. Uh, but 80% of the parts we have touched. Uh, weight is a big issue. Yes. Uh, so you look on every part if you can remove some weight from it. Um, especially if you are, or we were long opting for 8 or 6 megajoule. Mm-hmm. In the end, we decided for 6 megajoule, but with a significantly improved capacitor, which is able to run... Uh, we say the 6 megajoule now completely last year we not always could uh, call off the uh, amount of power we would have been uh, we would have available so in this year we think we have improved this um, and the reasons behind staying at 6 weight we always talked about the weight uh, being the optimizing factor for going to 8 or, or staying at 6 yes its weight is one of the we say is one is the main factor in this, but also I said what what, what can we recover? Can we recover significantly more than six, or do we then get problems with the technology we use? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is something which we then find out. Okay, weight. Then can we recover it all the circuits? What you can do? Mm-hmm. Um, no, not yet, not completely. We have improved the recovery system, but six we know we can surely do. So mm-hmm. why do we add weight and take the risk to do the other one, one and a half, maybe, maybe not? Because yes. it's a risk you have to take there. You lose some engine, you lose some fuel, it's a compensation there. Yes, of course, the 8 megajoule does give you a bit more. Yes. And, uh, it might be better for the one or the other track. We see a very impressive Porsche lap time here, but okay. It's quite yeah, come on, easy. come on. You, you can tell me you've done a 37 round here in your testing. I haven't been lot around with testing yeah. because I had to do some work on WRC, for example. <laughs> yeah. But what we see, I mean, in, in, in all honesty, though, what we see here, the cars haven't been scrutinized. We don't know what the fuel flow is. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the what weights the cars are running up. I, I accept it would be rather pointless to do a blisteringly quick time with a car that has no relationship to what we would see at Silverstone. But right now, time's don't count for anything it's it's when we get to silverstone qualifying actually that it all starts to mean something well even in qualifying it's we say especially with the change format mm-hmm. it, i think it doesn't support toyota so much because we have a quite different system it's we say i, I like the old format everybody thought it was complicated i like the way the story built up through the the session i have to say i'm a bit disappointed it's been changed agreed john Um, so yes that was we say more focused to endurance racing but they said that the fans would like to see a quick lap uh, Mm -hmm. two quick laps and not four quick laps which the average is a bit difficult okay we say we can discuss this or dispute about about Mm -hmm. this it's it's done so uh, but i think you see it in the races um, and uh, there we say okay you can get one point for pole position but let's see what the races are doing Mm -hmm. and i think uh, there is where we want to show uh, where we are capable of uh, and also tire wear is a big issue Uh, also there we have done quite some development on and of course arrow the car should not be draggy the car should be uh, good have the good level of downforce on the circuit you are so we have done a lot of work on this side whatever we believe about what times people are doing and, and how significant they are we saw at the end of last season at uh, brazil at sao paulo we're seeing here this weekend at the wec prologue times that are significantly quicker than lap records that were set in the peugeot era with 900 plus horsepower big tires downforce to give away mm-hmm. um being blown away by cars that have a very different design ethos, mm. that are running on slimmer tyres, probably using, I don't know, you tell me, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%,
That's progress, though, isn't it, Shirley? Why are we not shouting this from the rooftops when everybody talks about motor racing being terribly wasteful? This, this is doing something that we will all benefit from. Because you don't want to remember the old days. You, <laughs> remember, you remember the new days with the new technologies. So mm. what you want wants to, to put out is the technology you use to serve, we say, the, the, f- the future road car development. Uh, so we say Toyota launched a new Myri. So when do we see the, f- the first fuel cell held with hybrid racing car? These are things which we are looking for. Not mm. today. We will not race this today. We will not race it next year. But these are things which we hope to see coming in the future. So yes, we were having uh, big machines in the past. Uh, the Peugeot were very impressive car with 900 boost horsepower, uh, a beautiful diesel engine with a bit more noises in the Audi, mm-hmm. as I can recall. But we say it's it's history. Has the pace of change surprised you, or did you expect to be able to make these gains, even in the short-ish time that Toyota has been back in in this form of motorsport? It's not a surprise. If you see what people are able to do today with today's technology, with the tools they have to assist mm. them, uh, yes, you're sometimes, in my age, over 50, you're surprised that you need to catch up sometimes quickly because it goes so fast. But if you see, we say, guys, which are, we say, uh, you know, students around about 22, 23, what they come in their bagage and with their package and they come and sit on the working place and what mm. they can do, it's just, okay, let them work. They can tell us what to do better <laughs> and quicker. So, of course, with all these tools you have today, with all the capacity in, in, in on, on, on uh, calculation, calculation power, uh, the amount of cores you have in a CFD, uh, there is so much possible and you find very quickly that the limits are not yet reached uh, <laughs> I think uh, in a few years we might get a discussion ooh we should be a bit slower we want to have mm-hmm. times around 3.30 in Le Mans not yeah. 3.20 3.19 3.18 yeah. because if you see today's times we, this there, this there where we're going in, in terms of the future for Toyota you mentioned fuel cell technology mm-hmm. um, you guys pioneered the supercapacitor in motor racing which as we've always said, just even just seeing supercapacitor sounds actually really sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, have you reached with this car the extent at which you can exploit that technology? Where do you see that going in the future? Can you your next generation of sports cars? Does there have to be something other than supercapacitor? Yes. Simple, which, simple answer. Which will be battery. Will be battery. It's where we, where we at the present moment uh, are investigating and we expect that, yes, the investigation goes uh, in that direction. We have seen that batteries are developing or the battery development over the last years has taken off hugely. So you can do things now with batteries you couldn't even have done three or five years ago? I think so, yes. And if we see today where Porsche is with their battery system and we say uh, we knew this, but we are, we say, at the end of our life cycle and and here we have now optimized the system up to the best. And I think, yes, we have now to move on to the next technology in, uh, we say, hybrid high-performance racing and we say battery technology would give the answers. The developments on the supercapacitors have been strong, but uh, it's not something uh, we see in in road car back so much. It's it's the battery technology where a lot of uh, companies have invested and also Toyota and we that's the way we go uh, and is that a very different design philosophy then when you go back to the next generation of car um, if it has to accommodate battery packs I think we are going to see a quite similar kind of, of packaging of it, uh, but I'm now moving into an area where you should better ask Pascal. Uh, <laughs> but we would see this, but we, we come with different regulations, we come with different safety levels, uh, we come with different kind of activities. Um, 
to manage the the energy in this and this is of course something which we don't learn today we have learned this in the past uh, on the Toyota road car you find batteries so it's not mm-hmm. something completely new but with the level which we are moving on to it we say yes it does need some different ad- adaptions and technologies and all made possible because of the regulations that the FIA and the ACO came out with a couple of years ago that brought us this variety that we have today exactly so that does it give it that does it uh, give for us but on the other side we have to be careful we should not spend on endless the money because also we should be in an environment which is affordable and which is raceable so we should not go into a situation and i think also there the aco and the fa are guiding the teams and we are discussing about this is that costs are foreseeable and we don't come into a situation where you need huge budgets and then we come into a situation where we have seen Formula 1 being in the 2004, 5, 6 yes. um, so around about 10 years ago and this is not what we are looking for we are looking for an affordable race uh, race series and we are also looking for uh, to attract more manufacturers uh, unfortunately one didn't disappear t- uh, didn't uh, appear today mm-hmm. which is really say uh, it's a disappointment it would have been good uh, to uh, to welcome this in here and it would be good to welcome more more manufacturers final question 2015 season effectively kicking off here at, at Ricard a season where i can't predict who will win any race never mind the championship or or le mans does that excite you or do you still believe that you have exactly the right answer for every circuit and you, you can go out and dominate? We have for our car the right answer for every circuit. The competitor will have their answer. And if we, ours is better as theirs, is difficult to say. So this is a bit of an escaping answer from my side. Uh, we are here to win. We want to f- defend our title. We really and definitely go for the Le Mans win. I think we have a good team. We have learned a lot over the last three years, four years of racing in this series, in this environment. Uh, we have a huge respect for Porsche and for Audi, what they have done. We have seen a beautiful first day here on Paul Ricard. Mm. And I think we get a beautiful race season with beautiful fights on different circuits. And I think we might not see uh, a dominating Toyota this year. Uh, I think it will be much closer. Uh, of course, I hope to see a dominating Toyota. Uh, if that's the case, then we have done an extremely good job but I think we will get more closer as last year Rob always a pleasure to speak to you thank you very much indeed for what I know is valuable time and we'll speak to you again I'm sure throughout the 2015 season here on RadioLeMond.com likewise John and see you soon hopefully thank you RadioLeMond.com here in the relative calm of the press room here at the WEC Prologue at Record, Sven Muller has uh, joined me. And Sven, you had your first run in the Porsche yesterday. How was it? Yeah, yesterday was a really good day. It um, was uh, the first day. I, uh, first time I drove the Porsche 911 RSR uh, here in um, Paul Ricard. So it was two new pieces, one the track I never drove here, and so the, the car as well. I've never drove, driven, and um, yeah, it's a big change to 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 cup car. It's um, yeah, you have a lot of more aerodynamics, more mechanical grip, and overall, it's yeah, much faster. So I I like it. Racing drivers always like to go fast, which is good. The circuit here um, is it's very fast. It's very open. Quite difficult, I would have thought, to to pick up quickly. There are not many reference points in, in certain areas because there's so much runoff. Did you do some simulator work before you came here? Um, yeah, I, I tried. To, uh, I worked on a simulator. 
my home at my home but um yeah the layout was not so good but uh, so um yeah it's true um you have no good reference uh, points but um you you don't have some some stones outside so mm. the an, uh, runoff area is is, is okay is is good so you you have quite uh, high confidence yes. so you can push and it's it's quite easy to get to a high level <laughs> so it's it's not so so difficult you have to make a huge mistake here to go off and to do some damage that is very true that must be very confidence inspiring the Porsche Cup car that you've been used to driving is a global formula, of course, which is why it's such a fantastic formula um, in single-make racing. Although you said it was different, there must be areas that are at least similar to you that makes you feel slightly at home. It's a Porsche. It still has the engine at the back. The cockpit looks vaguely similar so did you feel comfortable immediately you got in the rsr yes i i feel comfortable um it's only only the power is nearly the same but only the 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 the, um, dam, uh, the, the grip levels or aerodynamics is a little bit higher but it's still a porsche so um yeah it was uh, for me it it was was not so difficult so i could reach the the the, the speed level really really fast so well, i was happy with that a natural progression, as we would say. Yes, yes. Always when I'm in a car, I'm fast, fast. Yeah. <laughs> got to be done, got to be done. Tell me about the, the Cup Series that you've been competing in, because as I said, it's a global formula. Um, I th all over the world now we see many, uh, many series of this type. We have one in the UK. I commentate on the one in, in the United States. We've seen it supporting the WAC in Brazil with... 40-something cars, which was a tremendous sight to see. How important do you think it's been for you to take part in a in the Cup Series to get you ready for endurance racing? Yeah, it's uh, because the the level in the in, in the Cup Series it's it's really it's really high. The first 15 drivers um, in the standing they are able to to drive in the yeah on, on top, and so. On the weekend, it's really it's it's not easy to to go to a point to the high level. So you you have to do a lot of preparation uh, before the weekend. So to be on top at the right moment in qualifying, mm. and um, yeah, the car is not easy to drive. No ABS. So uh, don't mis uh, don't do a mistake. And maybe if you lock in in the race, then it's it's so easy over your race. And so the half an hour the the race is going on is you has to be. Uh, as well in in like like in the endurance race all the time uh, focused and yeah don't do mistakes and that's a very good point you make because your race is normally 30 minutes mm. uh to do a full stint on fuel in an RSR depending on where you are could be anything from i guess 45 minutes maybe up to an hour in an endurance race but endurance racing nowadays is 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 flat out it's a sprint race yeah, between pit stops so you feel you have the right uh what should i say the right skills the right tools to come into endurance racing yes yes so yeah it's even harder because um driving on the limit for over one hour it's even harder that uh, driving for only three or 30 minutes mm. and is it your ambition to do more 
endurance racing and more endurance racing with Porsche. Obviously, they have recognised your your talent. Congratulations on that. I should have said before. But do you would you like to continue your career and to extend your career in endurance racing? Yeah, I, I started um, um, this year in uh, 24 hours in um, in Dubai, mm-hmm. my first 24 hours race, and I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, so yeah, that's what, what I want to do in in the future. Of course, with Porsche, I like I like I like the whole team. It's it's nice, and from the beginning on, they 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 show me everything and and help me if I had some some problems. And uh, yeah, I like it really. I'm a very old man now. I have seen a lot of motor racing. A few years ago, maybe ten or fifteen years ago, it would have been unusual to see a young driver. Um, at your career wanting to be in endurance racing it would have all been single seaters Formula 1 single seaters Formula 1 that's when I interviewed young drivers about your age maybe 10-15 years ago so why endurance racing for you what makes you want to be a Porsche endurance racing driver yeah I, I started also with with Formula 3 and at the beginning it was my dream to to become a Formula 1 driver and um, then I I, I looked uh, or I, I thought about what what will be really realistic, and um, and it was not. Uh, I don't have so much money, so <laughs> so it was it was not realistic to go in Formula One, and uh, so I got the opportunity to to drive um, to participate at the at the Porsche shootout for the junior program, and um, yeah, from that day on, uh, I really enjoyed to drive the GT cars. So um, I said, yeah, that's the way I, I want to do. And um, yeah, and then I I get known all the people in Porsche, and I said yeah, that's that's the way how 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 you can yeah go on in your life, and um, also if you if you look some some Porsche drivers, some factory drivers, they are old, not not really old, but they're careful, older. <laughs> careful, <laughs> they're older than me, and they're, they're they are much younger than me, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit older than me, and they are still driving, yes. and. Uh, that's that's what I want to do. Also, with maybe 35 driving still, which is very races. old. 35 is very old. <laughs> I understand that. Yes, and and of course this year we also see that Porsche have recognised the talents of GT drivers by putting the 919 hybrid at Le Mans with three GT drivers. Now you're a little way further back in your career from that, but does that inspire you? to continue in GT, that the possibility is there to go from GT, perhaps even one day to LMP1? Yeah, at first I, I want to do uh, the step to, to become factory driver. And uh, then, yeah, maybe uh, I, I see, I've seen it from, from Earl Bamber. He's mm-hmm. I, 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 w- I raced again him last year. And yeah, sometime I was faster, or well, he was faster. Um, but now he's in LMP1, so so fast it can uh, you can be there but um, for me at first I want to do this safe step and uh, joining the, the RSR and yeah would be nice hopefully one day we'll be having this discussion at Le Mans and you will still be a for- Porsche factory driver maybe even in a prototype Sven Muller thank you for talking to us here on RadioLeMans.com thank you man Well, I've wandered back down towards uh, pit out to KCMG, and Paul Lip is with me now, who is the man who has put this extraordinary organisation together. Paul, welcome to RadioLeMond.com and to our WEC Prologue programmes. Um, we very quickly had to become used 
to KSAMG because you have burst onto the scene with such, well, spectacular results. But I have the suspicion that there's been a lot going on behind the scenes for a wee while before we had to get used to your beautiful machines on the track. Well, initially, KCMG started um, as a hobby because I used to race myself. And then um, back then, I'm talking about like 10, 15 years ago, the level in Asian motorsport wasn't up to the level that I, I wanted. So I decided to start my team to more or less um, so I can race in a, a proper environment. Then it became more... Um, more a proper team as we grow. We first started with Asian Formula 3 and then we moved towards Japan. As the, the racing scene in, in Japan is more stable at that time. So then we focused mainly on Japan Formula 3 and then after a year um, we were uh, selected by Toyota to run in the Super, back then it was called Formula Nippon but now the name changed to Super Formula which was something unexpected but that's how the whole KCMG started and then now this year we are focusing a little bit more back on Asia on the junior junior racing scene such as Formula Master Asian Formula Renault so I believe this year we will be running eight championships altogether. Wow that's been a that's been a big uh, expansion over a short period of time. Where did the sports car program come into your thinking, and and how did that come on the scene? Well, I guess we are already doing Super Formula already, and that's probably the highest level single seater in Asia. And then the next step is either move to GP two or Formula One, which is still quite far reach to reality for KCMG. So. Um, We've decided to look somewhere for another exciting championship to expand our, our, our footprints of KCMG and endurance racing. I mean, Le Mans is, of course, one of the best choices, I think. You're not going to hear any argument from me about that. KCMG, KC Motor Group, if we were to give it its, its, its full title. But is motorsport all that you do, Paul? Well, KC Motor Group started as only a purely motorsport group. But we're now branching out to more and more on other related business, such as the composite business. So we are, we are just plan- starting a new um, composite business with headquarters in Dublin, Ireland, and with a massive, massive um, production facility in Taiwan. What was it, what was it then that originally uh, attracted you to the, the World Endurance Championship? You've mentioned Le Mans. Of course, but it, I mean it's very high quality competition here, and you stepped in and immediately made such a, a big impact. Well, yes, I guess. Um, well, in 2013, we did a, a few one-off WEC events, just kind of to test water, if you know what I mean, to see the level. I mean, the Asian motorsport level, in particular Japan, is actually very, very high standard. So we are quite confident that we can do a good job even in, in the European racing scene. So I've decided, why don't we go for the world, world title as, and give it a go and see how we perform. After 2013, I think we were um, quite decent and then we decided to do a full campaign in 2014. And then now we're back here in the 15 again. And moving on again with just a, a spectacular looking car and a championship that is probably more competitive than ever lots of new cars coming into the championship as well 
do you relish that competition? How do you feel this 2015 season will go for you? It will be very tough, tougher than last year. Hopefully with the new 03 car, it will improve a little bit in all round. Uh, but of course, it's racing. Fun is competition and the, the more competition, the better, I think. You mentioned that you'd looked at other forms of motor racing, including uh, high-end single-seaters, GP2, Formula 1. If you are looking, let's say, five years down the line, where do you see KC Motor Group's highest level of competition? Will it still be in sports cars? And could that, in that case, possibly be LMP1? Or do you still have harbour some kind of hopes to do single-seaters at a higher level? Well, um, I guess I'm more a dreamer. I like to dominate the world quite a bit. <laughs> so I think after this, um, I like I like endurance racing. It's actually, once I start beginning endurance racing, I think it's very interesting. I'm used to sprint race where it's only everything is sorted after qualifying. But in here, there's a lot of strategy and everything. I think I'll still continue in endurance racing, whether it's sports car or GT. I think that's the direction. But I think the next next target I want is to go to NASCAR. Really? Because? As I said earlier, I want to dominate the world. And the best championship in America, NASCAR. Well, I can tell you something that you may not be aware, but when I was talking to Nick Tandy off mic yesterday, he told me that his greatest ambition ever is to go and drive in NASCAR. So you may already have one of your drivers here and didn't even know it. Maybe. <laughs> Don't tell Nick that. His head will just explode. Um, final question for you. The We've heard rumours of a second car for 2015. Um, what could you tell us about that, Paul? Um, I think for the second car, for the full championship, it's not going to happen before the one-off spot entry event. We will fill a second car sometime during the season. Is that... Sorry to push you on this, but is that a, a definite or is, are you still looking to finalise for that? Nothing is definite until it happens, but we're very confident we will be in some rounds. And it's something that you want to do? Correct. Yes. I said it was a final question. I misled you. Sorry, because I've just thought of another one. You said you started off as a driver. Are you tempted at all to go back to driving in these beautiful cars that you bring to the World Endurance Championship? Uh, yes, and I hope my wife is not listening to this. I'm actually racing this year in the Japan Porsche Korea Cup. Excellent. Well, let's hope my wife doesn't hear this. <laughs> Paul, thank you very much for the entertainment that you have uh, already uh, offered us in the last couple of seasons and the best of luck for this year. Thank you. Right, I'm uh, out of the wind again and into a garage a little bit further up towards Pitney. is with me in front of two very, very beautiful G-Drive coupes. Slightly different liveries, yeah, a bit more black on that one, a bit more orange on that one. Uh, this looks fantastic. Yeah, well, it certainly does. Um, I'm really happy to be here, first of all, uh, to be talking to you here in WDC, and we're looking forward, you know, today our test has been a bit compromised because of the, the wind, but uh, we look forward to being on track uh, really soon, so... How how is you know how is the program going? In fact, let's take a, a step back. Tell me about how you got here and what it's taken to get you to be standing here right now. 
Well, definitely, it was a long winter for myself to be to be able to be here with G-Drive and um, and all this. The group of guys is really it's amazing. I'm really happy. We all know that the team has a, has a really good background and everyone knows what they're doing. So, you know, I'm very fortunate to have had a chance like this and I look forward to, to doing the best I can. But yeah, uh, like I said, we have a really strong team. We have a really strong car and um, the lineup on the two cars, not only our cars, but the sister car is also really good. And the main focus of everyone is bringing the championship to the team, the team's championship. And then... If one car finishes in front of another or the other way around, uh, we'll see in the end of the championship. You look magnificent in this uh, sort of matte carbon black and the, the bright orange. Is this delivery for the full season, by the way? Yeah, yeah that's, that's the car for the full season. And um, there are small details that we can see on the car, especially in the front, in the front wing, uh, that makes a difference between both, so they can see it from far away. But the rest uh, it looks pretty similar. Tell me about the car. The GSP2 is a very—it's a very pretty car. I can say that looking at it from the outside. What makes a good car, from a driver's point of view, is it being comfortable and being quick? Is it? Yeah, you know, coming from uh, from what I did, the open, the old open uh, LMP2 when I raced in the LMS, this car, this car seems a step forward. Um, it seems that it's very stable everywhere, and um, and being. You know, being a new car, we, we normally expect we normally expect that to that to happen. Um, but yeah, we have really strong competitors competition this year. Uh, the new Oreca coming in, <laughs> and obviously the well-proved Morgan with uh, with other teams. So it's gonna be a really strong fight. Um, you've already got down to business quite early. I think you were top of the times, weren't you, at, at Aragon? Yeah, well, yeah, we were. We were. We were doing a good program there, uh, especially the second, the two last days where the, the weather was a bit better, a bit less wind. Uh, but yeah, still a lot to go. Uh, we, we hopefully we can do the rest of the development we have to do here. So we're ready for Silverstone. What do you get out of a couple of test days like this? Are you able to work a program that will benefit you at Silverstone? Or is this, are we still very firmly still in pre-season testing letting the team letting the drivers get to know each other and get to know the cars well the testing here in Paul Ricard is a bit tricky because there's an engine mileage that we need to respect so it does make um, our program a little bit less effective less you know we, we would like to have more laps but um, yeah that's how it is we hopefully we need we we can put all the program we have to do in this within 60 laps that we can so it's a bit tricky. Today we chose to, at least in the morning, not to ride, not to not to drive, so we can have a better a better track and a, you know to complete our program. But yeah, we, we managed to do quite a lot in the winter testing, especially in Aragon, where we had four days straight, one behind the other. So yeah, we're looking good. Now you mentioned the manufacturers' championship. Um, some might think that's lofty ideals given the competitive nature of LMP2, but quite frankly you've got as good a chance as everybody else haven't you particularly at this stage of the season we don't actually know the comparative uh, the comparative speeds of these cars and we probably won't even find out that this weekend because you don't know what programs people are running at so do you actually look forward as we do to Silverstone and the first real competition well we certainly do because um, 
you know, this car has been running for nearly a year now, which it's normal to improve, but also the Eureka, it's the, it's the baseline as the Rebellion and also the technology that they bring from Toyota, from LMP1. And we know we have strong competitors against us because, you know, Eureka, it's a really, really known and good company. So we hope that we still have this little advantage by having run the car last year in the P2 category. But yeah, it will be very, very tough. Like you said, this this weekend will be really tough to see exactly where we compare against them or the other cars. But we hope that uh, at least until the month we still have an advantage, which I'm sure they're going to to step up the game if they if they're a bit behind. So yeah, already seen some phenomenal times from the P1 runners. Uh, early in the session here on Friday at Paul Ricard if we were timing for lap records the Porsche is two seconds underneath the lap record that was set by a 900 horsepower Peugeot a few years ago we're not going to see that kind of gains in in P2 or are we? I know it's a new Dunlop tyre for this year that makes a huge difference and everybody is still developing as you say this is quite a new car what do you feel for this year in terms of, of moving the category forward? Well, it's uh, we always trying to push and move forward every every bit, you know. Not even the tires, but you know, engine manufacturer and you know the cars itself, the aero. So we expect the, the we expect to be a bit quicker, but it's always tough because LMP2 is a much restricted ca- category. So you know, it's just by it's just the experience that we got, the team got last year, and put everything together. And I think it's the small details that's gonna make a difference in the end even on time or even in the, the race results. So we hope to be, to be a bit better. It's an exciting time for us as people who watch this sport. You made the decision to come into sports cars. Is it, do you think now that that was definitely the right decision and is it an exciting time to be a sports car driver? Well, it was definitely the right decision for me. Um, if you look now, Formula One has four manufacturers working on, on you know, four manufacturers with Honda, Ferrari, Renault and Mercedes and uh, WC is such a new championship and it's already with four manufacturers in P1 not not counting the GTs and you know with Aston Martin and stuff so so it's definitely growing so much and it's where I want to be for the future so you know there wasn't point of chasing Formula 1 um, and we all know how is it today <laughs> and uh, yeah I'm really looking forward and I'm sure it was the right decision to be here and I hope one day I can you know step up to P1 I don't, I'm not trying to knock single-seaters in Formula 1, quite the reverse. But you clearly feel that being out there and racing and racing competitively, even if it isn't in a P2 car, not the top class, that does more for your career than if you were a driver development or a test driver role in F1 or possibly even than what driving around at the back in Formula 1 and, and nobody seeing you. Yeah, you know, you know, some drivers want to be in Formula 1 just to be in Formula 1 and to say that they are a Formula 1 driver, even though it's uh, starting last every race. But that's not my case. I want to win races. I want to show what I can do. And there's no other place that I would, that I would rather be to, to do that. You know, I'm here with a, with a team that has shown a really good pace and that, that they are competitive. And there's nothing better to know that everyone... See, since the mechanics and everyone because that brings them up as well to know that they can win so it's it's a whole thing to you know to come here and know that everyone is pushing for the win and that's what I want to do and I'm sure being on endurance racing LMP2 and here especially with G-Drive it's the best place 
I've got to let Pepe go now because he's just been handed his lunch ticket. But being as though he's a racing driver, I'll, if he gives that to me, I'll just give him a lettuce leaf and he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, racing drivers does, does have to eat a little bit as well. <laughs> we spend a lot of time in that car, but, but yeah, no. You're looking forward to it, that's the main thing. Yeah, for sure. And I don't mean lunch, I mean driving. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to everything. I'm, like I said, I'm really glad to be here. Not only talking to you because I'm I'm your fan from from the many times I've watched the Truth in 24 Hours, but <laughs> but to be here, you know, driving with such a great team, everyone has welcomed me welcomed me so so well. And WEC, it's a World Championship, so it's a big step up in my career. So really good. Be safe this weekend and through the season, and more than anything else, enjoy it. Thank you very much. Thanks. Luis Felipe, Pepe Durrani, uh, rounding off our coverage of the 2015 FIA World Endurance Championship prologue from here at Circuit Paul Ricard. A prologue to a season that looks particularly exciting and full of promise and perhaps the most competitive that we've had in many a year. A season, of course, that you'll be able to hear live on RadioLeMond.com starting with extended coverage of our home race at Silverstone and stretching throughout the year all the way to the season finale at Bahrain. This prologue's been successful on another level as well, not just introducing us, the press, to the new teams, drivers and cars for 2015, but also it's attracted more spectators than I've seen be here, be here before. It's also attracted more spectators than I've seen here before and the vast majority of those are families families that are right now leaning on the spectator fencing overlooking the back straight the Mistral and taking in the awesome sight of prototypes and GT cars and getting on for 200 miles an hour now it's Saturday afternoon and sunny and warm here we're just hearing the news that I'm sure by the time you listen to this programme, you'll be aware of that the VLN race at the Nordschleifer in Germany today has tragically claimed the life of a spectator when a car went over the fencing and outside the boundaries of the racing circuit. Brings into sharp focus just how costly sometimes the sport that we all love and have passion for can be. Our thoughts and prayers to everyone at the Nürburgring and, of course, our condolences to the friends and family of the spectator who lost their life. We'll leave you now with the sounds of the FIA World Endurance Championship cars from Paul Ricard and perhaps a few moments of contemplation. Program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.